0: guest hanging out with us, Uh, probably one of the most, probably the the first listener probably of Uncle Dad Talks, Uh, the actual uncle, but not a dad, but that's okay, Uh, this is my uncle, I'm just going to call him Uncle Uncle Uncle, (laughs) Uh, uh, Uncle Uncle, how are you, what's up?
1: (laughs) I'm doing good everybody. (laughs) How does it feel to be on the show, you're going to hear your voice soon. Oh, I'm excited about it, very. Uh, Mike, how's the con going for you?
2: Great.
0: I'm sorry if Mike is so quiet for some reason this time. <laughs> but to be fair, I, I put the mic in his face while he was t- uh, eating. So as I do, I just like to just throw things on him, as we know this by now. Uh, but we are hanging out here at Stockton Con. Uh, it has been quite the experience. It's been probably the first real con experience I've seen. I was We were at Silicon, and it's been nonstop busyness. Would you say, Mike?
2: It's been pretty busy here, yeah. The Stockton Con's always one of the busiest shows that I ever do, so uh, I'm always willing to come to Stockton for the con.
0: And if we know, uh, you know, that's my home, Stockton, so how's it feel to be in Uncle Dad's home?
2: That's right. Uh, it feels great. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> I'm glad to visit here. Would you live here? I wouldn't, I don't think so.
0: Uh, Uncle, Uncle, what do you think about Stockton?
2: Uh,
1: I work here.
0: (laughs) That's all we need, that's all we need. So, Uncle Uncle, have you seen Shang-Chi yet? Uh,
1: no I have not, but uh, I'm hoping to. But unfortunately, it doesn't seem really high on my list of all the Marvel movies I want to watch. Honestly, it's
0: pretty awesome. I've heard it's like one of
2: the greatest ones.
1: I don't know if it's like, one. well, it's one of the best
0: ones, yeah, for sure. Not greatest. Not greatest. The greatest is like, to me, the greatest, like, Marvel movies is probably going to be like, Endgame. Not in game. I'm sorry, the one before that. Infinity War. Infinity War. Infinity War was incredible, dude. Uh, Shang-Chi is honestly a lot of fun. Um,
2: is it a jab or is it a punch?
0: It's like a, it's like a, yeah. it's so, like a haymaker.
2: Oh, okay, well, what's
0: that? <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> uh. Uncle. Uh, uncle, I, again, give me a different name to call you. I get to call you Uncle Uncle. uncle. Okay, Uncle. <laughs> uh, uncle, uh, let me ask you this. Um, so when I saw the trailer and you saw the trailer, I'm assuming, right? Did you think Fing Fan Foom was in it? I was hoping. No. I wanted to see that,
1: I and well, I wanted. Said you did no? <laughs> and why did,
0: wait? But did, I didn't ruin anything yet, though. I didn't say whether he is or is not. I didn't say
1: anything. I'm aware of it. I'm a guy who likes spoil. I, guy who likes to be have a movie spoiled before I watch it. I like going. I like going. Well, clearly, Mike did not. But. uh.
0: I didn't ruin it, Mike. I didn't do anything yet. <laughs> what did I say? All I said was, did you think Fing-Fang-Foom was in it? That's it. And that's in the trailer, I didn't. <laughs> right? Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> no, there's a dragon in the trailer, no. for sure.
0: If Fing-Fang-Foom was in it, maybe, because he might be, he might be, um, is he wearing the shorts? What? Do you remember that? So in the original comics, remember, he would wear the shorts. He would wear little
1: purple shorts. Not aware of that, did not know that. Really? Yeah, so back in the remember
0: the Comics Code okay. time.
1: Okay. My my knowledge of Fing Fam Foom is from the uh, Yes uh, Iron Man. Cars, what? Iron Man? The cartoon. Yes, the cartoon. Um I was a I didn't I never really read Iron Man card comic books until he became a thing. My Marvel experience was mainly X-Men and X-Men related stuff.
0: Now what's interesting about um, Feng Fang in general. So I'll tell you the quick story if you care to know. Uh, during the Comics Code era, right? They they wouldn't allow any nudity, and because he was a dragon and he didn't, they thought that was considered nudity. So they had to put purple shorts on him. So what do you think about that?
1: Well, then they should put clothing on every animal that was on any in, in comic book because they all. Tech- they
0: did technically, no? Every
1: animal. Like, well,
0: regular animals. <laughs> He was anamorphic. That's the thing.
1: Okay, I did dumb.
0: (laughs) So I would actually like to have you on the show again, because I would like to really dive deep in you, about which which what I want to talk about. What do I want to talk about? You don't even know what I want to talk about. (laughs) I would like to have you on the show and dive deep with X Men the TV show. Oh yeah,
1: okay.
0: Because I want to try to find somebody from the TV show and have you on it as a fan and kind of talk about it. Okay. Now, Mike, did you ever watch the uh, '90s uh, X Men cartoon? Of course. What was your thoughts on it? I love it. One of the one of the best cartoons probably huh? Yeah. yeah,
2: it's up there it, Batman animated series and then yeah. not, I would say. Yeah. Yes. Right. They were like there was depth to them into the characters and the storylines. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Yes.
2: <laughs> it wasn't just
1: like villain of the week. It yeah. was more serial. It wasn't episodic like so it actually was a storyline through the whole season. They brought the characters back.
2: And They both have the best intro music. Yeah. Iconically
0: intro. Yeah, for sure. Hey, Baby Gabe, go ahead and play the X-Men theme song right now. Yeah. (laughs) So we did it for you. We did it for you. Sing it up with our
2: voices.
0: Yes, make that happen, Baby Gabe. You have no choice. We're paying you nothing. so we're going to go back to the con, but before we go back to doing our thing, uh, Mike, I just kind of want to ask you, as somebody kind of coming back into cons, this is your first con since you've been back, since COVID, right? No. No, it has not? Well,
2: right.
0: oh, tell me, what is it?
2: I went to Lodi. Lodi had a
1: con? No. I
2: didn't
1: know
0: that. So you went to Lodi, California? I went to Lodi. So this is your second one? Okay,
1: well. <laughs> All
0: right, well, we'll save that conversation off mic. (laughs) Uh, We'll be right back, everybody.
3: (laughs) Hey, how's it going? My name is Tian Bu I'm a skateboarding, graffiti-writing, bowling son of a Black Panther. And I'm Yula. (laughs) And we are the co-hosts of the Black Russian podcast. Our podcast is a deep dive into relationships from monogamy, non-monogamy, open, poly, and whatever other labels that us wacky humans come up with. Let's go beyond the assumptions, beyond the stigmas, stereotypes, and most definitely beyond the judgment. We share our highs, lows, face plans, and triumphs of trying to love in ways that fit us individually while we continue our journey through life together. With topics like yuck and yums, poly trendy, how does it really feel, and tour life, tour wife, we discuss how to build and define relationships that are tailor made for you. Let's talk about it, let's be honest, all from a soulful perspective. Now let's be clear, (laughs) we don't advocate any one relationship style over the other. We advocate any and all relationships that encourage truth, honesty, and the freedom to do it how you do it. Deconstruct, decolonize, and rebuild in your own way with a Black Russian podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody, we're here at
0: Live at Stockton Con. Uncle Dad talking with Ruben Martinez. now, I, you know, I don't know how od- familiar my audience is with you, with you and your work, so if you can give us a quick little history, I'd, I'd really appreciate that. little bio, if you will. I was born in 73
4: um, in Southern California. Don't hate.
0: Don't hate. Don't hate. <laughs> don't hate.
4: <laughs> um, grew up in Southern California. Always wanted to live in the Bay Area up here. Um, pretty much did everything you could do with a pencil creatively and as a profession. T-shirt design comic books made my way to the toy industry and that's where i'm at right now and then i do shows on the weekends just to be more creative and do my own personal artwork
0: awesome now can we say what toy company you work for it starts with an m oh, i gotcha gotcha <laughs> migo migo that's what it is migo, <laughs> migo. Uh, um, so how how long how for how long have you been with uh, this brand
4: i've been at this company for 20 years been a lot of fun, worked on a lot of different properties. But yeah, it's been a real experience. It's, it's been a lot of fun.
0: Uh, can we talk about the properties you work on? You can. Okay. Let's see. What's, what was your favorite property you worked on? Batman.
4: Batman. I love Batman.
0: And what did you do for Batman?
4: I designed a lot of the early stuff when this company got the <laughs> license, worked with Warner Brothers a lot. Um, it was just a lot of fun because I loved Batman as a kid growing up.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, what are your thoughts on the new Batman coming up? The jury's out. I don't know. <laughs> yeah? I, I. You know what's funny is uh, everybody, a lot of people were like, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a part of that. But it's like, I think it's going to be a fresh, younger take on it. And I think that's okay, right? That's okay to have that different take on it.
4: Yeah, I think with a lot of things, people are so invested in what they know that any departure from that is difficult. So I only say I'm, I'm the jury's out only in the sense that I want to see it, but I don't want to give it any judgment because I don't want to be one of those people that just hates it because it's new. So I want to evaluate it. I want to see what it's about. You know, I like Robert Pattinson. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I think what's interesting about uh, this, this movie is I don't know really what to expect from it at all, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously I know you're not a part of that movie, but if you could work on that property, mm-hmm. um, which may happen, I imagine,
5: mm-hmm.
0: um, what would you like to kind of do with it?
4: You know, I don't know. That's an interesting question. I think, honestly, just knowing the brand, I think I would even want to contemporize it a little. I mean, as much as I love the source material, I think I'd want to push it a little further. So I would probably be doing something similar, maybe not exactly. But, you know, I'm not trying to say that my ideas are amazing, but I think directionally you should try to push it.
0: Of course, yeah, and I think that's the beauty of Batman is that you kind of have that flexibility, right? Mm -hmm. To kind of, kind of toy with things a little bit. Uh, What's been a franchise that you wish you could have worked on?
4: Oh, a franchise I wish I could have worked on.
0: Yeah. I don't know, because I was like learning about like what people wish they could have done. Like, oh man, I I wish I could have worked on, uh, you know, He Man or whatever it could be, right? I know we got the new He Man coming out too. He Man
4: is out, yes, and I know a little bit about that, but you know. Um, I guess maybe Transformers. Transformers was a really... Oh, you know what? I'd take that back. Japanese company, Popey, or Poppy, depending on who you talk to, I loved those toys as a kid. But just die-cast metal toys, robots, really cool. That would have been fun to work on.
0: That, that's interesting you bring that up because die-cast metal toys don't really exist anymore. I know they kind of do those die-cast like, models and stuff you can make, but not like the old-school mm-hmm. tin you know, robot or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, why not make your own line, maybe?
4: Well, because, one, I work for a toy company, and, you know, I, I would never do that, only because I think to really do it, I'd have to invest so much time in it, and there's no way for me to do both. There's absolutely no way. But, um, you know, you're right. They don't do them anymore. Um, it's, a, it's a very niche market, but I think it's really cool. I think there's a quality in metal that is missing in the
0: market. Absolutely, I completely agree with that. Uh, now, my last question is, since we're doing cons again with uh, COVID and whatnot, mm-hmm. how has been the experience for you? Is this your first con since uh, coming back from COVID?
4: It is my first con post COVID or pre, like I guess it's Existing during COVID. Existing COVID, during yep.
0: COVID, yeah. <laughs> what is, it, how, how has it been for you? And what you just, Is it the same feeling or different feeling?
4: I would say it's the same. It's just a little harder to communicate because of mask, which is fine, but uh, it's been good. It's been good.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's, that's awesome. Ruben, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Uh, where can my audience find your work or where can they connect with you? Where
4: can they find me? Well, I'm not on social media. Ah, so nice. I <laughs> just, I refuse. Okay. Um, if you want to find me, come to a Arch, a, 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 a cotton And if you're in the Southern California area, I might be there. So if you find me, I'm like the A team. <laughs> okay. You know, yeah. if you know somebody, maybe you could find me, but yeah. I'm in Southern California. If you come to the show, good chance you'll see me.
0: Awesome. And well, him Uncle Dad, Sanchez, you. thank you so much, everybody. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Mike, I just got done talking to Ruben Martinez. Uh, that was pretty awesome, to be honest with you. Now, yeah. I'll be completely honest. You know, I'm not the most familiar with his work, um, but you're a big fan of his, correct?
2: I love his work, yeah. He's got a very like, uh, distinct style. He actually did, years ago I met him uh, through Dan Brereton. He did a backup uh, story for, for Nocturnals. And uh like a gun witch solo story. And I had him do a, a hot zombie chick in my final issue of Hot Zombie Chicks where I had all the different artists contribute. Yeah, that, uh right. he did one, yeah.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah, it was a he's a he's a very sweet guy. Uh it's uh it was really nice to kinda of get some insight in his thoughts on some small things. And you know, I wanna ask you since I asked him, what is your I never asked you this, but what are your thoughts on the upcoming Robert Pattinson uh, Batman movie.
2: But, um, I think the previews for it look great. I'm, yeah. I think it looks fun.
0: Will he be a good Batman? You think?
2: Yeah, I think uh, you know. It's similar to when when everyone first heard Heath Ledger was going to be the Joker, I think most people were like, "What? Really?" And yeah, and then he killed it. Yeah, I mean, he like amazing. it was like, his his iconic performance. So I don't I don't think that. Uh, having a preconceived notion of how it's going to be even mattered. I think he's a good actor, and I think he'll probably do good.
0: Yeah, I think um, he's kind of proven, right, that he can act very well. I don't know if you've seen the movie Good Time, but if you haven't watched it, you got to watch Good Time.
2: Good Time. Is it a Good Time?
0: Not Good Times, though. Not that one. No. Good Time. <laughs> good Time. He plays a, uh, a New Yorker in the 90s. Mm. And God damn, is it good. Okay. you got to watch it, man. It's uh, by
2: uh, A24. I enjoyed Oh, okay. I, yeah, they're good. Yeah. I enjoyed him in uh, that Tenet movie.
0: Oh, yeah. I, you know what's funny? I forget that he's even in it, but, yeah. God, that was also a very good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was yeah. That, that was an awesome movie, yeah. And I think they, the idea that they're going with that younger, hip, like, darker Batman, it almost makes me feel like this might be Batman Beyond, even though I know it's not. Like, I kind of get that feeling. You know what I'm saying? Or no. Yeah. Um, and I'm also very interested to see the new Selene Kyle, and also interested to see uh, Penguin as well. I don't know if you know that. Thing, it?
2: Yeah, I think I heard
0: yeah, that. Yeah, it's, uh, what's his face? Uh, Colin Farrell.
2: It is. Yeah, I
0: think I... But it was Colin Farrell, I believe. Uh, Mike had to step away for a second. But yes, we'll be... I will be back with some more awesome interviews live at StocktonCon 2021. All right, Uncle Dad here with a previous guest of ours. We're actually here hanging out with him. Uh, Dan, I always say your last name wrong. Brereton, is that yeah. correct? Yeah.
5: Is that correct yeah. That? Yes, that's good.
0: Awesome, awesome. Dan, how has the con been so far?
5: Um, it's actually been great. Um, had, I've been having a great time, um, uh, particularly because of the people I get to talk to and hang out with here. Uh, my, my, my contemporaries, my peers, my friends, uh, You know, Uncle Dad and his interesting questions about schematics. Um, I'm glad you remember that. Yeah, yeah, I I'll, never, I'll, forget it,
0: I'll just, a quick preface, I'll just say that uh, yesterday we all hung out and I had asked him a question about making a schematic for a, a helmet and Dan didn't seem to...
5: <laughs> I just remember laughing a lot. I kept trying to get a sentence out and I kept laughing because it was... And no one's ever asked me that question before. <laughs> schematic for a mask. <laughs>
0: you know, I like to do different things, I guess.
5: <laughs> no, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. Uh, yeah, sorry. so
0: Mike was telling me that you just did a panel, right? Uh,
5: yeah, I did a round table a comic book roundtable. I don't know what that really means, but with Steve Aloha, who's an inking, illustrating artist, artistic legend, uh, since the, the, the probably in the early mid-'70s from Marvel Comics. He inked... Uh, Howard the Duck and Warlock, and has drawn tons of things. Uh, his uh, partner, Krina Robbins, who is sort of like the, uh, uh, you know, sort of the spokeswoman for uh, uh, women in comics. Uh, she's a legend as well. The legendary Tom Yates, who's sitting next to me, um, Tarzan artist extraordinaire, Rick Rice Bros artist, Swamp Thing artist. It's amazing. And uh, we were asked some questions by the moderator, and we just we talked about a whole bunch of different things about comics and storytelling, and and we talked about Tarzan, uh, and uh, it was fun. And um, there were about four people in the audience, but we, we just had a great time having a conversation. So,
0: do you think it really matters how big the audience is when you're doing like a panel like that?
5: You know, it depends because with the people that we are sitting with, you know, all four of us sitting, we had plenty to talk about anyway. I mean, we, half of us were sitting. At, talking the night before so it was fine um, What thing I do like is that when there are people in the crowd or in the audience I should say who want to uh, hear what we have to say it's exciting and I will always want to pay up, pay that off I always want to tell them some story that I've come across or something from my personal experience or, some, or like sort of like one of those uh, famous stories that comic book artists talk about or people in comic circles know but maybe the fans don't know I like to sort of like you know, part part leave them with something. It's interesting that so they they feel like wow, I'm really glad I went to that panel, learned something.
0: You know, um,
5: and. Uh, so you, you want it you want to you want an audience for sure you know I think they videotaped it though, so there will be an audience for it okay right, somewhere
0: I, I always wonder that because I've been in my years of going to cons too I've been to cons before right where like you walk into the panel when it's like three people and I wonder how the, the artist or whoever the talent is feels about that and so that's kind of a good perspective well, you know, obviously
5: obviously you want a packed room but I've done so many panels where I've had packed rooms where I've had you know less people more people that I'm you know, like if we had decided that we just wanted to go back to our tables, we could have done that. We had that option, but we we thought, we thought well, they are recording, it, we'll sit and talk. You know, and it was interesting to hear what other people had to say. I want to know what these people have to say. So even if there aren't if there aren't forty people who agree with me that they want to hear the, the conversation, I still do. So right. yeah. Um,
0: now this is your first con since uh, COVID. Uh,
5: no, it's my third. Um, so I did a, a small Berkeley comic show. In early August, which was really fun, just about comics. One guest, I was the one guest. That was kind of neat. And then I did uh, San Jose Con, the first San Jose Con, um, a few weeks later, and that was really fun.
0: Yeah, how did it go? So I was actually doing press at the uh, Silicon. Uh, so I'm, and it was kind of eh. yeah.
5: Yeah, so it was held. It was held on a Sunday, which was the the last day of the Silicon show, which we all hate and, um, and we despise them. Yes. And, they're posers and they're and they ruiners of other people's fun. So we said, screw it, we're going to do our show. And on Sunday, and it was great. We had a great time. The people loved it. People came over from the other show to see what we had going on. We had way more. We were a comic book show. Awesome. I don't know what the Silicon Show is, but it's not a comic book show. We were more about comics and. And, it, and that's the problem with a lot of conventions uh, for me is that they're so spread out as far as the diversity of their uh, fandom that I feel like I'm kind of lost sometimes in the shuffle. And really, I think when comics are the focus, that's when people have fun. you know. And I like talking to people about what I do and not having to uh, navigate um, a, a ridiculous crowd of people who are there for some completely different reasons. Yeah, it's
0: interesting you share that because um, the big focus this time around for the Silicon was basically technology, and it was mostly focused on space, which is which TV is fine.
5: TV guests.
0: Yeah, totally, totally. And, and honestly, and
5: technology and yeah, yeah it's Why not? fine. You know, I mean, if they wanted to do a, a like a technology show that was about pop culture and as far as like tell actors and and and, and people who work on films and TV shows, I think that's fine. But to, to to come in under the guise of a comic books type show or a San Diego type show and then run out, try and run out of town, an actual show that's been there for years that people love. Big Wow Comic Fest was my favorite show to do. Love that show. And they used to bring in guests from all over the world. Um, it was amazing. And they weren't trying to wow you with, here's our million dollar guest that we brought in. It was just like, here's some really great artists that you should know about or here's some great people. And, and it, was, it was well run and it's really a shame that, that, it, that it had to end. Um, so I'm really looking forward to more shows in San Jose with the folks that I'm that I'm locked in with.
0: I, I live in San Jose, so I will have to go to the next show. Then we'll talk again. Yeah, in August. August, okay. I'll definitely be there for that one. Uh, so I am curious. Uh, do you think that the, the way that those cons are changing like that? Do you think all that has to do too with the popularity of like the Marvel movies and stuff?
5: I don't think it hurts um, <clears throat> at all. Uh, but there's, I think what happened yeah. was San Diego. Was sort of co-opted by uh, the entertainment industry and it became more mainstream because of that. And you had, people, you had magazines like Entertainment Weekly were covering it and, and, and you know, then like local yeah. news started covering things. And, and then all of a sudden, everything is called Comic-Con is supposed to be like the San Diego Comic-Con and have that same vibe. And then, and then you have these things pro- cropping up every, everywhere. And mom-and-pop America are interested. And then they kind of come in and they, they're rushing into these these venues. And then the people who've been at it for a really long time, I think they feel like they're kind of lost in the, in the sea of, of new... I want to say, I guess I want to say fans, but they're not necessarily the same fans. You know, they're, it's more mainstream. And, it, and it, it's, if you're into that thing, that's fine. But that's not really why I started going to comic book shows. You know, I, my first comic book show, I went as an art student looking to maybe get work in comics, and I. Got to meet other comic book artists and, and writers and people that like the stuff I like. And that was the world that I went into. And it's changed quite a bit. San Diego has changed so much since I started going. I think my first time was in 80, I want to say 89 or 80, 88. So different from now how it is now. And it's just, it's gotten more and more over the years uh, the kind of thing I would really just skip. And so after 30 consecutive years of doing Comic Con, uh, year 31, I just said, I'm going to stay home. And it was fine. And I didn't really miss the, the circus, you know. And so I like doing these smaller shows like Stockton Con and, and um, relatively smaller shows. And um, because they're just, you can breathe. You can have a conversation. It's
0: more about the connection at that point, too. Yeah. Right? It's more about
5: For me, comic shows, conventions are about convening, about the connection, for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely agreed. Um, now, I was informed that you have a new book coming out, or is it coming out?
5: Or it came out. My newest book that's coming out is uh, Nocturnals Nocturnals Omnibus, Volume 1 from Dark Horse. It's a collection, uh, it's the starting of the collection of the Nocturnals material. It's oversized, it's 320 pages. You can get it pretty much anywhere that books are sold, online or whatever. Um, And it comes out at the end of the month. So, beginning of October, it should be out. And then, Volume 2 will be out in about a year. I have a new art book that I did through Kickstarter that will be showing up um, later in the year. And uh, I had uh, a, cover, a variant cover I did for uh, uh, Masters of the Universe Revelation. It um, was kind of fun to do just, you know, things here and there going on, you know, keeping it really busy.
0: Yeah. I, that's, I think that's the key right now, keeping busy, right? Um, Dan, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Uh, I will definitely see you again at another show, I'm sure. Um, but I just, as always, where can everybody find you online and stuff?
5: Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, uh, Twitter. I have a Patreon page. So if you find me on any of those social media platforms, I usually have a link tree, and you can find all the links to stuff. And if you're looking for my books, you can go to Bud, budsartbooks.com. They carry most of my stuff. Awesome, that sounds
0: good. And be sure to make sure you tell Dan, Uncle Dad Ascension. you. Uh, thank you so much, Dan, I appreciate your time.
5: Thank you, take it easy. Uh,
0: so we just got done talking to Dan Braverton, who is a very legendary artist, the creator of the Nocturnals and a bunch of other great stuff. Uh, he's also done work for the X Men, but uh, I want to ch- uh, kind of check in with somebody who is a big fan of the X
1: Men. Yeah, I love the X Men.
0: Uh, I'm with the Unknown Uncle. Is that what we're gonna call you?
1: Yeah, we'll do that. Okay. Uh,
0: unknown Uncle, uh, do you are you familiar with Dan Brereton? I'm afraid I don't. I mean, that's fine. I, I just don't
1: know names. I don't know other names.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure. Like, so did you read the new Marvels? Just the Marvels?
1: Okay. I mean, did you read that? Maybe. Okay. I thought,
0: Uh, So his art style is very similar to um, his art style is very similar to uh, Alex Ross. If you know Alex Ross, yes, actually, yeah. So very similar to that. Um, But he he's he's very uh, invested in the X Men. He loves the X Men. Uh, He was just telling me a great story about uh, giant size X Men number one. Um, Yeah. So I'm just curious, uh, what is your
1: favorite like incarnation of the X Men?
0: I think it could be comic books. It could be movies. So I'm thinking, anything you want.
1: I'm probably thinking I like the when they were Amazing X Men versus Uncanny. So for
0: those who don't know, what is Amazing X Men?
1: I forget. I think it's the mid '90s. I think years and stuff. Um, uh, Uncanny was what early like the '80s the early '90s. Then they came to Amazing X Men in mid '90s. That's basically what what I understand. That's when that was the animated series was Amazing X Men.
0: Oh, really, I thought it was Uncanny always.
1: Maybe I don't know, but it was right in that time zone. I mean, it was like right. As, I think they were changing. It might have been Uncanny, but I think I think the comic book changed to Amazing at that point.
0: And then, who was your favorite X Men man, or whatever you want to say? What, what would you say? My favorite mutant, I guess. Right?
1: Oh, that's Nightcrawler. Always. Yeah, I've always been a Nightcrawler. I like, uh, I like his aesthetic. I like his powers. I think being uh, the teleport is best.
0: Uh, did you, have you liked any of the movie versions of Nightcrawler? No.
1: Well, when they went with the the kind of younger X Men, that was that wasn't too bad. Uh, I I kind of I mean the opening scene in what X Men Two with uh, Alan Cummings as Nightcrawler that was pretty cool with X President, but I don't know they just always feel they don't feel quite right for me.
0: Yeah, um, you know it's funny I I have a very like I love the idea of X Men and I like certain X Men so like some of my favorites are so my favorite of all time is Angel. I love Angel. No angel. Angel. Yeah, yeah. So I forgot his name. His his first name is Warren Worthington. Yes.
1: Yes. And then he becomes the archangel. Right. And he had so many weird incarnations with that But but when he's archangel, that's what he was a you know member of the four horsemen and stuff like that.
0: What what a shame that he wasn't represented that well in the uh, in 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 apocalypse Apocalypse movie and stuff.
1: That was lousy. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, his Warren Worthington was just kind of just. Oh yeah, no. He's much the the comic book version of him is so much better. Where he's this, you know, he's this real persecuted young man because his father won't accept him for what he is, you know, and he's just rebelling against the world and everything, you know. And the, oh yeah, no. It's the no, the comic book X Men is so much. I mean, Angel's so much more messed up in the head. Yes. Uh, I would. I liked uh, Ben Foster when he played Art Angel in that little tiny bit. You know, you see him in the third X-Men movie, I think it was. Um,
0: you remember how hyped they were? Like, they were hyping it up, like, oh, it's coming.
1: Yeah, that was great. Uh, but I would love to have seen more of Ben. I think Ben Foster would have been a great um, uh, angel. He was grilled. I think he would have been better off to see that, him, um, to continue with that. He was, just, he was just, yeah, he was this angry young man. Better.
0: Um, well, then my second probably favorite is probably going to be Colossus.
1: Yeah, Colossus is fun.
0: Uh, now you're you're aware that he became gay at one point, right? Yes.
1: Now, what is your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I think they're just kind of pandering, but they should have just it's okay that he's gay. It's okay, it's, it's fine. But but just but I think I think that but the, uh, it, like I said, it's like oh well, just like like all well, we want to pander to like a the LGBTQ community, and we're just gonna like oh, well, to make him gay, you know, um, without any real. But without, I guess I mean I'm sure they probably made it, you know, seeing. Like more organic to his character, but but it's like, I mean, I don't know how they I didn't know how they introduced it. but I am aware that he did it.
0: Yeah, I don't really know how they introduced it either. I just know that when they did it, it was kind of like, whoa, okay. Uh, Mike, are you aware? Are you aware that Colossus is gay, or was gay at one point?
2: Uh, it was not.
0: No. Yeah, he was. He's, we we're just trying to figure. I can't. We can't remember how he became gay. Not that how he became gay. I'm sorry, no, but like, yeah. but like, what what the origin of that? Like, how did they?
2: Are they, how did they? the writers figure it out? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't realize that.
0: Yeah, that was a while ago, though. Now I think right. Iceman is the one who's. Is it? I think so because he he married Beast Boy. I think. Oh. Yeah. Something like that. He married somebody else. I. I, cause Wait, I get married.
1: Beast Boy. Beast Boy's
2: that's DC. That's a different universe.
1: Yeah. Beast Boy's DC. Oh.
2: <laughs> Get so like, it hey, it's it's a it's
1: a <laughs> hey, that's the great thing about, about. I thought you were thinking for a second to say he married Beast. I'm like, no, 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 no <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> that didn't happen. Be beast actually had like girlfriends and wives. Beast is yeah. Beast is also another favorite of mine. Yeah, it's cool. I like him.
0: Uh, favorite X Men. I,
1: I like him in the Age of Apocalypse and Dark Beast. Oh,
0: oh yes, that was cool. Yeah. Favorite X Men. Mike.
2: Other than Wolverine, yes. Is that your favorite? Yeah, but Gambit.
0: Uh, of course, of course, uh, uh, mean? Yeah, of course, yeah, of course he's a, a Gambit fan, right, the Raging Cajun, yeah, the Raging Cajun, indeed, yeah, um, yeah, so we just talked to Dan, your good friend, it was a great chat, uh, we talked about some great stuff that you just heard, oh. uh, but uh, I just kind of wanted to throw in some um, check-in with you, sir, how's the con still going for you? Uh, that's the answer, that's the answer, indeed, uh, we'll be right back, oh, go ahead, go ahead, well, we're working. We're working. You're right. Uh, we'll be back after this with another
2: awesome interview. So we're here at Stockton Con, and this is your friend Mike Hampton. And I'm sitting with the very talented artist uh, Tom Yates. Tom is uh, currently doing a swamping sketch for me while we're sitting here at Stockton Con. Tom, how are you?
6: I'm doing okay. I I survived my first convention, you know, during COVID. (laughs) First time I've gone out and so far so good, you know. Yeah,
2: you're feeling okay. I'm feeling
6: okay. A little weary from last night. Yeah, so I'll just give a quick uh,
2: explanation to our listeners for that. Last night, Tom and I and and Steve Laloa, Darren Brereton and Ruben Martinez were having a comic (laughs) roundtable. discussion, if you will, I um, actually really enjoyed that conversation. It was fun. Yeah. And one of the, I mean, you're, you're known mostly for your work on, on Tarzan, uh, your work on Swamp Thing, uh, your work on Prince Valiant, which you've been doing since 2012, right? Yes. Yes. But what I didn't know was that you're also in a band. Oh, right. Yeah. That's, we found that out last night. Yeah.
6: Yeah, I love. I've always loved music, and for some unknown reason, I, I, was, since I was a little kid, I loved to sing. Although I didn't really know how, but I loved to sing. And so I, and I had friends. I was into music. And I had friends who were into music who could play instruments, but they were totally microphone shy. Ooh. So they'd get me to sing because I could remember lyrics, and I and I would do it. I was uh, invited to sing and uh, eventually um, I did learn how to play the guitar a little bit enough to accompany myself and there a lot a lot of people out there you know they got they got turned on by the Beatles or something and they love music and love the play so I, I've been in and out of bands or just had friends that like to play that I screw around with you know forever since 1969 actually was the when I was in junior high, when all that started. Yeah. I mean, it's
2: just interesting to hear, you know, artists where art or drawing right. isn't your only creative outlet. So, I yeah, feel
6: Yeah, like yeah. There's a number of us that uh, that are into music. Steve Lealoa plays bass. Al Gordon plays guitar and keyboards and sings and writes music. Uh, there's a bunch of us. So, it'd be fun if there was like a
2: comic book artist super group as a band too right and then
6: you guys could uh we we did that we did that in the in the late 90s there was a group well in the actually in the early 90s or maybe mid there was a group called the seduction of the innocent that steve liloa played in with billy mummy and uh ferrer miguel ferrer And some other people and uh, they played at san diego con and stuff sometimes and then that faded away and then steve being the bass player is always in demand there's rarely a shortage of guitars but there's often a shortage of bass players right so then another band formed called the sequential art blues band (laughs) with steve and drummer marcus david who's a colorist works with steve olaf a lot and uh, John Davis, who's a, a comics dealer who's a professional musician on the side, and Tim Truman, who's a really good guitar player. And they were, if they were all at a show, they'd put the band together and, and, and play, but there wasn't ever much of an audience, because everybody's always in the bar after hours talking comics. But they'd be playing, and some people would come and watch. And I got in on that when they performed it. WonderCon, when it was in Oakland in about 98 or so. I remember I had my daughter with me, and then they came back and did it again the next year. It was like either 98 or 99 or something like that. My daughter was real small in a backpack. And uh, I sat in with them two times, and I recorded one of them. Right. Got one of them on cassette. And it was fun. And uh, then that kind of stopped or faded away or whatever. John Davidson wasn't coming out, and he was sort of the anchor. And then uh, fast forward to about 2015, I had some, some promoter in Cincinnati had done a Swamp Thing convention where he brought out my, my buddies I went to the Kubert School with, Steve Bissette, John Toddleman, Rick Beach, and I, because we all had done Swamp Thing. Uh, to go at, at a convention that he put on in Cincinnati. And so it was so fun to see everybody. We hadn't, we hadn't all got together in, in ages, and it kind of brought us back together, and we've been in touch ever since. So I told Steve Wyatt about this, our West Coast promoter buddy. That's right. And Steve, and I knew this would happen. So Steve wanted to do one. So, you know, I, I, ma- I managed to finagle all my friends from back east out here to California. So he flew everybody out, and I told Marcus David, who lives out here, the drummer about this, and who I see regularly, he said, well, we got to put the band together. we got to put the band back together. Because Tim Truman, who's in Pennsylvania, who did not do a lot of swamp things, uh, but he was part of our friends, and he went to the Kubert School, too. He was another guy who wanted to come out, and, he's, and Steve Wyatt, the promoter, was fine, but they're all named guys who draw people who haven't done a lot of shows out here, so... Anyway, that was a blast. They were all there. Put the the new band together, sort of. It was still called Sequential Art Blues Band. Tim Truman, Marcus David, Steve Lealoa, and guests. Whoever else wanted to come up and play. Yeah. And that was at uh, the after party. Sunday. No, it was the next day. I think it was a three-day weekend, maybe. And the Monday after that might have been Labor Day. I don't know. You have to ask... I can't quite remember you could ask uh, steve wyatt So he did his his show the big wow show might have been the last one san jose and then the next day he had rented or maybe steve morger his partner they had rented a winery slash event center That's in right. saratoga yeah and so we all went over there for this party barbecue etc outside beautiful day in the hills of beautiful northern california and here's all these guys from the east coast hanging out on lawn chairs you know it's great and there was a stage, and there was a PA, and we all brought our stuff and set up and jammed for about two hours. And it was really fun. Yeah. We didn't rehearse, but all the guys, we all kind of grew up with the same music, so, you know, you don't do something too complicated. There was an actor who was in Star Wars movies. I can't remember if he played a Klingon or a Romulan named Gary, who got up, and he was good. He did some Credence Clearwater. Huh. And uh, Tom Petty, and uh, Tim could play the riff for All Right Now by Bad Company. And Liam Sharp heard him messing around with that riff and then went up and they knocked it out of the park. Liam Sharp was fantastic. He got all the girls up dancing, you know. He's this giant, like, Nordic, you know, dude. And uh, he belted out All Right Now really well. Yeah. It, it and then and then we ended up did a, a bit long version of uh, uh, turn on your love light. It's, it's a blast. I mean, there were some original blues and improv stuff. You know, it, it kind of almost
2: reminds me of like a, like a New Orleans jazz in the sense where guys just pop in, play a couple songs, catch the tune, move on. Another guy pops in, except this is all like comic book, yeah, comic, comic book artists and such right right
6: right. yeah that's Um, about right
2: i love the concept of that and i've i heard about that uh winery trip i didn't make it but um sounds like fun and then so you mentioned swamp thing yes what i love swamp thing was there a so you took over and correct me if i'm wrong but you
6: did you take over who who did you take over for so i don't I know Swamp but Thing, I want... Swamp Thing Swamp uh, was not being published and they wanted to bring it back uh, because the first movie produced by Michael Usland who went on to produce all of Batman movies many years later Michael Usland wanted to do was his fan and, and he wanted he loved Swamp Thing and he really wanted to do a Swamp Thing movie so Len I was working for Len Wein doing backup stories and uh, I just kind of gotten hired by DC, but Len liked my work, is obviously influenced by Bernie a lot. Yes. So uh, he said, Hey, if you'll draw it, I'll bring back Swamp Thing. And I was quite hesitant because I didn't want the responsibility of a monthly book. I'm kind of funny that way. (laughs) Yeah, you want less responsibility. I want less, not more responsibility. Right. Especially when I was in my 20s, you know. Yeah. so, but he finally talked me into it and it was a good move career wise, because to this day, I'm probably known more for that, those 12 issues of Swamp Thing I did than anything else. Yeah, because I did it for DC, it was, you know, a big company. So, and then I got tired of it and I Got Steve Bassett and, and John Toddleman take over for me, and then Alan Moore took over the writing. Which, of course, nobody knew that that was going to happen, or, or what a phenomenal he was going to turn out to be. But, and so they got all that glory working with Alan Moore. But that's okay. I was happy that, that they did it.
2: Yeah. Did you? Was there any remorse that you got off the book and missed uh, Alan Moore? It was
6: mixed. It was. It was Remorse mixed with being proud of my buddies, you know, because yeah. we had all lived together and gone through the Hubert school. You know, it's you know kind of a, you know, kind of a mini trial by fire of sorts, you know, young guys coming to New York and trying to get work and all that stuff, in the big city. So it was a mixed feeling. I, I, I could not have done what they did right out of the gate. I got to say, their stuff was so wild. And my stuff is so straight in comparison, you know, even though I'm not, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, like a Berkeley radical, but as far as my art, I draw in this old style, old traditional Hal Foster's Fired Way, whereas their stuff was real experimental, you know, throwing white out and splatter and stuff and scribbling and collage and all this weird stuff that they were totally like modern art as comics yeah. you know or comics is modern art so and i don't i just don't think that way and, and I, I was totally blown away by their work I, from that, when i first met them at the school but they couldn't get much they couldn't get much work so they had moved back steve and john had moved back to their respective hometowns and i wanted to quit swamp thing and i said look at these guys are going to blow this book out of the water they're going to be so good and len ween was with my editor, and he was really didn't want me to quit, and I told him it's going to be okay. These guys would be great, but none of. But I didn't know that the writer was. He was a really good writer, but I didn't like writing his stories. I wasn't into his plot. You know, he was doing the devil is rising up to take over the earth with his minions, which is done over and over and over to death in comics. And I we did like twelve issues of that, and I was done. But he quit after I quit, and Alan and, and Len Wein hired this guy, who's. British comics, Len Wein had, had read them, and so he hired Alan Moore to take over Swamping, which was not being supervised very well at that time because the sales were low. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a priority for DC. They weren't paying attention, and that enabled Alan Moore and Bassett and toddlebin to do this off-the-wall stuff they did they, in a book that was deemed as important. I don't think they would have got away with it. They, they were They were unsupervised children playing in the playground and just doing phenomenal work and they won every award there was you know as far as it seemed like to me for the next couple years yeah it, and it's some of alan moore's best stuff i think it's
2: interesting how when there's not this this pressure like oh this book needs to be this yeah what what that kind of allows for the, the creative openness that it allows for that. And yeah, and then that's, a, that's a very good example of, of where it's successful in that type of way.
6: Yeah, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they really did good great stuff. So that's the that's the swamp thing story. There. And then you and then you uh, you also mentioned Hal
2: Foster and which you know, created Prince Valiant. Yeah, right. And right. so how was that for you? Were you kind of a how did you Get yourself into that job or did they come to you to to work for that or
6: well if you go back a ways uh, when my my old good dear friend L. williamson in the 90s put me in touch with john cullen murphy who was the artist on prince valiant who'd taken it over from hal foster and i talked to Murphy on the phone a few times and I sent him some of my art but I was really distracted doing Tarzan at the time and I and he was looking for an assistant and with the thought that maybe someday in the future the assistant would take over the strip and I really didn't give it the college try I should have and there was a voice in me saying you gotta go for this but I was distracted my daughter had just been born and I was doing Tarzan I just didn't give it the you know the full effort to, that I should have right and Williamson was pushing me I could tell Al knew my work and he loved that knew I loved Foster and Williamson was friends with, with Murphy so anyway that fizzled out Gary Gianni ended up being the, the, guy, the assistant who took over the strip and he's a phenomenal artist he did it for seven years and then he didn't want to do it anymore and he, and he didn't know that Murphy had called me he called me and said hey you want to help me out on Prince Valiant and it, you know I've got I can never seem to get ahead I'm really tired of the pressure and the stress and I said yeah I'd love to help you out but he I don't think Gary had collaborated with other artists on comics as much as I had cuz he was more of an illustrator and I would you know I'd put in my time at DC turning out monthly books and work with lots of guys and so he 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 didn't art direct me enough or something you know because what I did wasn't what he wanted it wasn't what he wanted you know i i helped him i drew several panels throughout a you know three or four sundays for him it wasn't quite he went back to doing it by himself no hard feelings great experience so i got to do a little prince valiant that's cool and you know that following summer i'm sitting at my table pounding out sketches like i am right now and this, this guy, this young guy in it with a short beard, short hair, very serious business-looking guy, much younger than me, in a suit, comes over and stares at my work, stands there for a while, and, and says, hello, I'm I'm the editor at King Features, Brendan, and uh, would you like to draw Prince Valiant? Sure. And I was, like, stunned, even though I, I should have I could have kind of thought, well, Gary maybe will recommend me or something. I don't know. Right. But I was just stunned. Yeah. And I, and I had a totally full plate. I had like four jobs going at once. It was crazy. But I said, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, those jobs were all going to end.
2: Yeah. Well, and that's also what we do as artists, right, is, yes, we'll take more. We'll take more. And
6: I know we don't have the time to do it. But So I got friends to help me with all the other jobs. That's got great. them all out of the way. It took me about two years to get free of all the other assignments, maybe two and a half. Yeah. And since then, I've tried to only do Prince Valiant.
2: That's fast. So you're still doing that. You've been doing it since 2012. It's, yeah. I think, isn't it the longest running
6: strip? Well, it's not the longest running strip. You know, like Popeye and some of those are, are longer probably, but it's it's been around a long time. Yeah. 30, 37. 37. You know. Yeah. Wow. And it's, it,
2: it's great that, you know, I mean, it's awesome to have a part in that. Yeah. In such
6: an iconic, long, right, you strip. Know, right, right. Well, strip. I, I discovered Foster, you know, when I was in high school in the 70s, just as he was leaving the strip. Yeah. And uh, I, I was, had been into Frazetta pretty heavily. He was one of the first guys who just knocked me out. Sure. And... Uh, and then I saw Foster and I went, wow, Frazetta's copying Foster. Is that a copy Foster? I could just tell, you know, that, wow, this guy is really something. Yeah. So that, that, then I kind of went, ah, I'm going to have to study this guy more. So I got some of his books and it always just, his work just knocked me out. So, yeah. So, and,
2: and that just brings me to kind of wrap up here. What, what else are you working on now besides Prince Von here? Would you have any... Well, the other thing,
6: the one other job that I, I did, like I said, I try not to do anything else, but I had committed to do, before I got Prince Valiant, I committed to do Tarzan meets, or Gru meets Tarzan.
2: Sergio Argonus Gru.
6: Yes. That's right. We had done, one of the jobs I was doing when I first, the other jobs I was doing when I first got Prince Valiant was Gru versus Conan. So... Uh, and that was that was kind of cool. And so they immediately wanted to do uh, Gru meets Tarzan. Yeah. But it took me forever to get to it because they had so much stuff going on. And, you know, it took a little while for Sergio to get that get his part done. But, so, uh, so
2: he's drawing Gru and you're drawing and the other characters. T- 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 right. T- 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 and uh, are well, you also drawing the backgrounds and, and everything yeah, too? Yeah, yeah,
6: yeah. There it sometimes it takes place in my world and his characters are in my world and sometimes my characters are in his world. Oh, that's funny. And then there's times where the two characters are meeting each other and interacting, you know. Yeah. You know, sitting sitting on a log talking to each other and stuff. It's almost like a Roger Rabbit situation. Yeah, right. yeah, that's yeah. a good analogy.
2: Uh, and so what that comes out with who and when?
6: That comes out from Dark Horse this summer. The first issue's out. The second one might be out, too. Oh, wow. Okay. So everyone who's listening, uh, go to your local comic shop and check out Brew versus... the Meats. 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 Meats start hard. Yeah. Fun. So that's the latest thing. And, uh, and Bug, uh, Fanta Graphics, to do a collection of my Prince Valiant in English. Yeah. There, there are collections of it, and Mark Schultz writes it. He wrote it for Gary Gianni too, and we have a lot of fun, and and we're doing some, some stuff that I'm really happy with the stories we're doing in Prince Valiant. So, but there's you can't the only place you can well you can you can read it uh, online. King Features has a website, so you can go to King Features' website, which is called Comics Kingdom and read my Prince of there. Yeah. there. All right,
2: Comics Kingdom. Yeah. And uh, I'm just watching you finish this uh, Swamp Thing sketch and your use of black, I, I've just been watching how you've been, like where your mind goes to fill it in and it's just, I don't know. I, uh, other than just an honor to watch it. I'm, I'm taking notes, mental notes for <laughs> my own. It's working for you. Huh? Yes, it is. Yeah, you, you, I don't well. know
6: if it's gonna work or not. But yeah, I think it's working. I, I, I love laying black in there, making marks on paper. You know, I'm just a kid who likes to make marks on paper. Yeah. And you've made quite a living making marks. On I, paper. I, I've done look, okay. Look, look at, at you. Let's, let's you. see once I got once they got Prince Valiant things been going okay it's the best definitely best job i ever had very fortunate to have
2: it well tom thank you very much and i hope the show stock to has been good for you you also did a panel with a few of the other artists we talked to dan earlier about it right Uh,
6: that one might be up online at some point yeah well it's been a pleasure and uh thank you very much tom okay mike tom yates bye for now adios we will be back
0: We are back because you said we'll be right back and you're right we are. Mike, tell us how it went.
2: Uh, I think everyone heard. (laughs)
0: You're you're right, everybody did hear. Um, yes, we just got, or you just got done speaking with
2: uh, Tom Yates, who, uh, is a fascinating artist, but also a fascinating human. I, I talked to him for hours. In fact, I did last (laughs) night and I wish I could have recorded what we talked about, but we did talk about some of it just a moment ago. So, uh, you know, I think it's cool that when you're an artist, you don't have just one artistic outlet. You know, as he talked about, he plays in a band with other comic book artists. So um, maybe one day I can have him play a, a guitar on one of my records. That'd be
0: awesome. Yeah. Or maybe we can, uh, maybe you and him would start a group together?
2: Yeah, I think so. Just, uh, you know, like, like travel
0: do like a Mad Villain type style?
2: Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll do a tour of conventions and, uh, and then at the after party we'll just get on stage and do our show.
0: You know, I think one day we will do a, um, an Uncle Dad like, event, like a, like a show or festival or something like that, and we should have him perform. What do you think?
2: Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, And then you could rap. I'll rap over his guitar and it'll be great. Yeah,
0: And then we'll just, uh, then age will come in too. I think we're just about done with the day. Would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, I think it's been a good show. Um, We talked to a nice selection of artists. You know, if you want to talk about convention, there's always the end of the convention lull. And I think everyone's feeling that right now. The gentleman across the way, artist, I won't say his name, but I'm looking at him right now, and he looks pissed because he's been trying to take a pee break for the last hour and couldn't get anyone from the convention to come over. And when someone finally did, he Yes. gave him a piece of his mind, and yes. then the security Didn't person like told him to like F it. off. Yep. And I, so that person's going to get fired. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I saw, I
0: actually witnessed that when it happened, while you were doing your chat. I yeah, saw. well,
2: he ran by and yelled something about taking a piss to us while we were talking. So.
0: Yeah, yeah and I was just like, okay, well, that sucks, I'm sorry, man. Uh, but but the thing is, I think you know how it goes, too, like when you're an artist here, right, and you you know you got to do your things, you want to leave your stuff, right, it's like you're by yourself.
2: Yeah, you know when you're by yourself and you're waiting for your buddy to get here so you can go right up and take a pee, it is the longest wait you have, ever have to do it. when you got a pee brain.
0: Yeah, well, what are you gonna do?
2: <laughs> do you just hold it or you piss yourself.
0: You know, I think AAA... truthfully. Like Gatorade
2: bottle for damn it. <laughs> True. yeah, a piss jug. Yeah, everyone should have a good, nice piss jug behind why, the booth.
0: That's why you don't dr- That's why you don't drink beer. You know what I mean?
2: I wasn't drinking beer. Oh, so you just had to go. I just, just had to go. <laughs> I had to go. Coffee. Coffee.
0: Uh, but this is our first con
2: together live. First, bro- first time broadcasting or recording from a show. Yeah. At, uh, from a con. Yeah. con. Uh,
0: and what do you think? Should we do it again? Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. we should. I think we should in- then keep the audience. You know, this time we focus a lot on comics, and let, you know, it's kind of going back to our roots almost. You know. That's right. And I think that's kind of good. Sometimes to kind of just kind of dive back into that every now and then. Absolutely. Uh, but Mike, as always, before we go, is there anything you want to say?
2: I just want to say thank you to the listeners and thank you to the artist who took their time away from making sales to talk to us today.
0: Absolutely. And thank you for our special guest, Unknown Uncle, um, the,
1: uncle. Unknown uncle.
0: the Unknown Uncle, sorry, uh, along with all the actual guests we spoke to. So, again, that list was Ruben Martinez, Dan Brereton, Thomas Yates. Thank you guys all for listening and of course as always as we like to say here I'm not your uncle I'm not your dad but I'm someone you can talk to. We'll see you next week everybody.